Won't you pray with me? God of power, God of glory, God of wisdom, God of truth, God of sight, and God of insight. To you, O God, we offer our worship, thanks, and praise this day, and pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, our rock, our refuge, our Redeemer. Amen. Seeing is believing, it is said, and often assumed to be true, except when it's not. Sometimes seeing can be deceiving. Sometimes we see something when we look at it, but what we perceive or actually see in it is what we expect to see or maybe what we want to see, but maybe not what's actually there. You know, in this day of instant technology that's so easy for us to have access to, it's very easy for people to create things that look real that are not and then put them on the internet to deceive people to purchase things that they have no right to sell, such as a friend of ours who opened the door to a condominium only to find someone who had claimed they purchased the rights for the condominium for the next year. They had a lease for the next year, and she was the owner, and it was not true. I'm sure that when that person went back and looked at that website, they may have seen something that was very different than what they expected to see the first time. Uh, that they see differences in those things that indicate that maybe it wasn't true, but maybe bogus. Sometimes we see with eyes that deceive us. The Apostle Paul called this eyes being veiled. Like there's a screen between us and what we see and how it affects our perception of what it is that we see. The glory of God is obvious, Paul says. The crucifixion and resurrection were not hidden. They were very public. But what about people who see but didn't understand? Their eyes were veiled, he said. The light of God in Christ can pierce any darkness, but still... There can be shade on the eyes that deceive. This is part of our story from the book of 2 Kings. Elijah was a prophet, a man of God, powerful in word and in deed, and was appreciated by the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel when it pleased them. When they needed God's help or they needed a word from God, they turned to Elijah and asked to give them direction, guidance, and protection until he said something they didn't like. And then they dismissed him, disregarded him. They no longer saw him as a prophet, as a man of God. Elijah had learned that his days on earth were going to be numbered. He was going to be taken into the presence of God, but didn't know when or how. He's walking from the hometown of Elisha, his apprentice prophet. And the two of them are walking along, and Elisha, 
being the top of the school of disciples of Elijah, asks the question the oldest son might ask a father. Could I have double the inheritance of all my siblings? Could I have twice the power of your spirit? Two measures of that. More than the other disciples of yours. Elijah responded, you may have what you ask, but in doing to do so, you must see me as I am taken into the presence of God. So as they walked along, Elijah and Elisha, a whirlwind came along and swept up around Elijah and Elisha, and a chariot like a fire pulled through them, separating them and taking Elijah up into heaven. Elisha said, this is like the army of heaven that I'm seeing. You see, what he thought he was asking for was a power that would be within him. What he saw, which corrected his vision, was that this power was much greater than any one person could contain. It was the glory of God, which they only reflected, but did not contain. In the 50th Psalm, which we read today, it also points to those reflections of God's glory from heaven to earth. It's found in the heavenly city on earth in Jerusalem. It was seen on Mount Horab when Moses received the law in the storm. It is seen in all creation, from mountains to oceans. There, God's glory is reflected for those who have eyes to see. It's this idea of sight and insight that brings us to the story of the Transfiguration today. It begins actually with Jesus and the disciples walking along and Jesus doing the rabbi thing that rabbis would do, which is to ask a question, to start a conversation. Who do people say that I am? When they see me, who do they see? The disciples responded, well, some see John the Baptist, some see Elijah, some see just another prophet. Well, who do you see when you see me? Peter quickly responded, I see the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus invited Peter and the disciples to keep that insight to themselves. He then began to correct their expectations of what it might be to be the Messiah. You see, the Messiah is going to have some rough times ahead. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be passed over into the powers of this world. He's going to be crucified, but he will be risen one day. Uh, Peter took Jesus aside after hearing this and said, Jesus, not sure this is the message we want to send. Not sure this is the good way we want to promote this kingdom of God that we're promoting right now. You might want to tone that down, this uh, betrayal, crucifixion stuff. To which Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Peter. What you're personifying in your speech is evil in itself because you're seeing with completely human eyes and not God's eyes at all. 
If you want to save your life, you have to lose it. Pick up my cross and follow it every day. For what good does it do to gain the whole world but to lose your essential life, your life with God? Well, then Mark, as he begins the passage on the Transfiguration, has this odd piece. Then after six days. Mark is not much of a timekeeper, so this stands out as somewhat odd. However, for a Jew to know the story of Moses, who after six days God appeared to him on the mountaintop and gave him the law, Jesus taking disciples to a mountaintop after six days would echo that story. So after six days, Jesus brings Peter, James, and John and brings them to a mountaintop. There, Jesus is seen differently, transfigured. His, his appearance changed. He glowed white, showing the glory of God. And then, as they were still comprehending this transformation, this transfiguration of Jesus, this new sight and insight of Jesus, Moses and Elijah appear. That is, the two who had these appearances of God's glory in their life, whether on Mount Horab or the taking of Elijah into heaven. Here they were, law and prophet, Moses and Elijah, and Jesus, the fulfillment of law and prophet among them. Mark tells us the disciples were dumbfounded and Peter didn't know what to say, so he said, this is a great thing we're seeing. We should create three tabernacles, three booths, so people can remember this moment forever. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, and when they were all together. And then they heard a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And then all that was left was Jesus. What did they see? What did it mean? They began walking down the mountain. And soon Jesus would again remind them that the Son of Man, the Messiah, would in fact have to suffer and die. What sort of vision was this? What sort of Messiah were they following? What sort of sight or insight had they gained? You see, their eyes were veiled by the expectations they had on Jesus. And it wouldn't be until the resurrection when they would fully see and understand. Friends, we live in a time in which we see many things and are interpreted by a variety of people in various ways. Many of us see God and Christ differently. How do we see our Lord in this moment of transfiguration? We hear the word of God speaking, saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Let his words remove the veils from your eyes so that you can see and see clearly. You can have insight and sight and a better understanding about who Jesus is and who God is. That you may better understand who you are 
in how you, in relationship with God, now relate to your world. This is the vision that you have, a vision of God who transforms your sight and your insight, your vision and your understanding. May this transformation, may this word of God and his revelation of truth and glory and light lead us this day as we enter into the Lenten season and journey to the cross, that we may see each day more clearly who God is, who we are, and who this world is that God created. Thanks be to God.